You know what we are right now? According to the messages on my screen, we're live. We're live, but my lighting is still Sunday morning, not Monday evening. That's better. Flatten things out a little bit. Oh, hey, Anthony. Look at that. Didn't take long, did it? Sure didn't. Well, I dare say... Okay, good. I thought for a second that YouTube wasn't getting my audio. Oh, friends. Oh, friends. Don't you just love it when something just works? Just so. Last week, I think around Monday... So last week, a wonderful, long interview with my good friend, uh, Mary Beth. Mare, as she would like me to call her, but I'm still, I just, oh, I don't know, it feels too personal. I want to call her that too, but I feel like I'm being presumptuous. Anyway, wonderful conversation with Mary Beth here at my house. I know the video hasn't gone out yet. GoPros, uh, anyway, I don't know. If you've ever edited together an hour-long video you shot on a GoPro... You're feeling me right now. Uh, I do want to get that up. Good news is the audio is that Instagram video is uh, on the Insta, so we're doing good. We're two-thirds of the way there. And I'll, actually, if I'm honest with you, in terms of people and how they consume this podcast, the YouTube video after the live stream is like... You can count the people on two hands, so I'm not as worried about that, um, but I would like to have it for posterity. Anyway, uh, just after that really nice, fun interview, I saw a little something on the socials. Steam Whistle Brewing, friend of the pod, Steam Whistle Brewing, doing a little social media challenge. Have you seen this? It's the Steam Whistle Challenge. Hashtag Steam Whistle Challenge. Uh... And what they're encouraging folks to do is to give themselves a blind tasting of Steam Whistle Pilsner, a nice beer, and compare it, they say, to um, like their European counterparts, uh, which they identify as Stella Artois and Heineken. Uh, Stella being from Belgium, ostensibly. If you're buying it here in Ontario, I think it's made in uh, London, but uh, Ontario, mind you. Uh, but uh, I could be wrong about that, but I suspect that's what's happening. Heineken, not sure that might actually be coming in from the Netherlands, but be that as it may. I have a bit of a problem with their challenge, which is actually I can look this up right now. Um, I don't know what style Stella Artois is, but it's Belgian, and I'm having trouble believing that it's a Belgian-style pills. Artois beer style. What is Stella? Oh, they do say it's a, it's a Pilsner beer. Okay, fair play. But Heineken, I'm pretty sure, is technically a Helles lager, um, which is related and owes its lineage to Pilsners, but it isn't a classic Pilsner in my mind. Anyway... I, I saw this post. I said, I like the look of that. I like the cut of that jib, except I don't. I want to cut the jib in a different way. And what I said is, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do it right now as soon as I stop talking right here on the Toronto Beer Podcast. But instead, I'm going to do it with a, a steam whistle, uh, Canada's premium Pilsner, according to the can. And I'll tell you, it's definitely up there. And then I thought, well... 
I know Pilsner Urkel is the original, but Pilsner Urkel has a pretty specific thing going on. Um, this guy, Chekvar from the Czech Republic, the home of Pilsner, literally where Pilsen is. This might actually even be from Pilsen. Uh, I'm not entirely sure if Chekvar, but I suspect it is brewed in Pilsen, which is where we get the name Pilsner from. Um, even says on the side of the can, brewed with whole cone saz hops. Okay, not pelletized, whole dried saz hops. Moro Morovian malt. That was harder to say than I was expecting it to be. Morovian malt. Don't know what that is. It's from Morovia, I'm sure. And uh, natural soft water in our brewery in the Czech Republic. And as we've discussed a number of times, one of the most important factors of, uh, of the Pilsner style beer is soft water because of the uh, sandstone in Pilsen in the Czech Republic. I'm just looking this uh, can over. Um, I'm not sure. No, it just says it's in the Czech Republic, so we don't know, but it might be from Pilsen. Might be. And of course... Uh, the hometown hero, Czech Pilsner. This is uh, Svetly Lesak 12, although I'm probably saying that wrong, as we always discuss. Now, I will tell you, whoever had their fingers at the keyboard of the Godspeed uh, Instagram account, I suspect it was Bim, but it might have been somebody else, suggested that, in fact, I would do better to use the Pivo 10, the light uh, Pilsner that they make because they pointed out, rightly so, that the Svetly 12 is quite hoppy. Uh, I suspect that I'm going to be able to pick all three of these blind. Now, I have this attractive tray uh, assembled by my beautiful wife and my beloved son. Sorry, I need to get back from the camera one second. Now, doesn't that look delicious? There's already color differences. Now, <clears throat> let me give you some background. I know that in a proper sensory evaluation test, you should be using identical glassware with an, 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 a marking on it in a way that I can't see it. It's typically on the bottom of the glass. Or if you play the honor system, it's on the side of the glass facing away from me and I just don't look at it as I drink. And it's a piece of tape. So I'd have to physically turn it to see it. You can't see through tape, you see. I opted uh, for convenience, which was three different glasses, but I've named them. There's the blimp, the GLB, because the middle one, I don't even know if you can see this on camera. You can see it on Inst or YouTube anyway. Uh, it's a GLB glass, Grey Lakes Brewing. And then the Tulip, which is a uh, uh, just an unbranded, uh, beautiful Spiegelau tulip glass. The Blimp, by the way, an unbranded Spiegelau, that's an American wheat beer glass. It just happened to be on the shelf. It's going to hold beer. I don't think the differences in the glassware are going to be the deciding factor in this. I bet if I drank one beer in all three glasses, they might present slightly differently, but I think that's going to be a pretty minor uh part of the equation. I think obviously the beer inside of it, much more important. The other thing worth knowing, the cans are behind the glasses. Uh, that's not 
representative of what's in the glasses. I do have a note here, um, right here. Let me just get this. This note, uh, it's folded. I can't read it. I don't know what it says, but it does have the, uh, the solution to the puzzle. Hey, there's Erica. Speaking of people who help pour these beers, my beloved. So my suspicion, oh, and by the way, you're supposed to choose which one's your favorite blind. Now, in fairness to Steam Whistle and their fairly smart social media marketing, if you pick Stella or Heineken over Steam Whistle, I'm not going to say there's a problem with your palate, because obviously you know what you like, but what you like isn't delicious beer. So we can just get that right out of the way. And my apologies if you really like Stella or Heineken. Um, maybe this isn't the podcast for you, or maybe it is and you can grow. But those are not particularly interesting beers. If I had done Stella, Heineken, and Steam Whistle, I guarantee you I could have told you which one was Steam Whistle. I might not have been able to tell you which one was Stella and Heineken, but I think I can because I know those beers. Um, but there was no doubt in my mind which one I would prefer. That That's that's not even close to interesting to me. This is interesting to me. Now, I will tell you, I fully expect to at least be able to tell you which one's the Godspeed, because that's a beer I drink all the time. And as noted by possibly Bim or at least somebody at the brewery, it's it's notably hoppier than the other two probably are going to present. The Chekvar versus the Steam Whistle is an interesting uh, chestnut. I don't want to get too cocky and say I'm going to be able to pick all three blind. I think I am, but I don't want to claim that, if that makes any sense. But anyway, we've been talking now for close to 10 minutes. It's probably time to attempt the hashtag Steam Whistle Challenge, 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 Challenge. I could have done that um, in post, just adding an echo, but it seemed like more fun if I just did it live. That was live. Okay, what I'm going to do, I'm going to um, carefully move my keyboard, which I don't need right now. <clears throat> and I'm going to relocate these glasses in front of me. Now, these were poured close to 15 minutes ago now. Uh, so I might need to uh, work up a bit ahead. They all have a very generous uh, bit of condensation on the glass. It is hot in Toronto tonight. Uh, these are all real nice hot weather beers. Uh, for the sake of visual comparison, in the Tulip, we have a crystal clear golden yellow beer with a nice gentle carbonation um it's awfully full so i'm not going to try and work up too much head but the ring around the edge is a nicely tight white head uh in the glb glass once again brilliantly clear golden gentle carbonation similar ring around uh the edge now interestingly in the blimp glass it is not as brilliantly clear, and the head, despite having been poured at the same time, has maintained what I would what I would define as a a pancake of uh, of very dense shiny foam. Um, the blimp has the best head retention out of the three. Now I didn't pour them. 
I don't know that the blimp wasn't very violently poured, although I can tell you the glass doesn't show evidence of that. You can see this if you're watching one of the videos. Um, we don't see evidence of lacing higher up the glass. If it had been a very violent pour with a very thick head, I would expect to see evidence on the inside of the glass. I don't. Um, that's not for sure. I'm just saying. I suspect the blimp, not quite as brilliantly clear, maybe touching on orange in the middle and with a very dense head that is not going away. Um, well, I'll tell you this right now. I kind of already know which beer this one is. Again, because I spend a lot of time with it. Um, I could tell you just based on the clarity alone uh, that the blimp, I will say fairly confident as Godspeed, um, just on the clarity alone. And I only know that because, again, I spend a lot of time with the beer and I look at it a lot. These two are much more classically Pilsners. Pilsners are supposed to be brilliantly clear. Um, the fact that Godspeed's Svetly 12 isn't um, is a personal choice uh, on the brewer's part, and we love them for it. Um, but that's my my suspicion. We're looking at the Godspeed and the blimp, but hey, Let's go to the let's go to the nose. Now, this is a very full tulip. Oh, okay. So, tulip out of the gate, very malt forward. Bit of a grassy hop to it, but the the opening salvo, if you want to sound like a person who fancies himself, uh is is quite malt driven. Oh, hi. Um friend who just joined on Instagram. Uh, now, GLB glass. Okay, okay, a little grassier. A little bit more of the grassy hop. Yep, tulip, um, very much Pilsner malt with some hoppiness. GLB showing um, grassiness and even a hint of floral notes, um, and also Pilsner malt. But off the top, the first reaction is is the hop presence. Now let's just let's just confirm my suspicions. Okay, interesting actually. The the blimp. Now if you're watching the video, do you notice how much more space there is between the surface of the beer and the rim of the glass? And that of course is also the same true for the, the tulip. The tulip and the GLB glass both have roughly the same amount, I would say, about a centimeter and a half of uh, space between the top of the beer and the top of the glass. The blimp, as I'm calling it on the other hand, has oh, seven, maybe six or seven centimeters. Quite a bit more airspace. So that does change the presentation. I'm just giving it a swirl. So this oh, I'm trying not to say smells familiar. Um, very grassy hay-like hops um, with some sweet Pilsner malt. But again, hops are the thing I take away. A and yeah, we're going to go with hops. So I'm going to now work through them taste-wise. Tulip, GLB, Blimp. And I'm doing that very much on purpose. Um, not to favor one over the other, but if I am right in thinking that the Godspeed is in the blimp, it's going to affect my perception of the other two. So I'd rather go in the other direction. Could be wrong. Could be totally wrong. Here's the tulip. 
So, the tulip. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's about right. Hmm. Tulip drinks a little sweeter than I was expecting it to. Definitely nice uh, Pilsner malt. Couldn't tell you if it's Moravian or not, so that's not a giveaway. Hot presence. I mean, it's dry on the finish um, and a little grassy. Um, we would we would say it's very well balanced. Oh yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Uh, yeah, almost a touch of earth to the uh, the hop. Yeah, solid, well balanced, tasty Pilsner beer. Yeah, a little sweet up front, nicely dry, slightly earthy, grassy finish on the hop. That's a rock-solid Pilsner, let's say. Let's check the GLB. I'm going to compare, by the way. We're not doing this in one. So here's the GLB. Hmm. Okay. Less sweetness on the front of the palate, for sure. Yeah, more hot presence. Um, once again, uh, grassy, little earthy, maybe a little bit of spice to the hop. Just a, just a, just a glimmer of it. Huh, interesting. The malt presence feel... The beer isn't thin. They're all on the lighter side of body, or at least the two I've had so far. And I know the other one, I think. Um, I almost feel like I want a little bit more malt out of that, but maybe not quite as much as the tulip. If you're listening to the podcast, I've just taken another sip of the tulip. Mm. The tulip has a touch of sulfur to it as well, which is common. Uh, off the yeast that you can get and and don't think volcanic or like definitely don't think rotten eggs totally wrong don't think volcanic think like bread dough um the yeast that you use uh not in sourdough in uh, uh like regular dough i don't know <laughs> sweet dough baker's yeast has a sulfury note to it and that's consistent with what i get off of the uh off the tulip it's a little sulfury, quite a bit of sweetness on the, the front of the palate, and then a nice um, grassy, mostly grassy, little earthy hop. GLB. Yeah, not as immediately sweet, but a little bit more complexity from the hops, which I'm thinking are still saws. Grassy, but this one's touching just slightly tannic and slightly spicy just just a little um not a hoppy beer by by any uh means but it's a little more hop driven yeah incidentally both quite nice um would enjoy both of them preferentially i'm leaning a little bit towards the great lakes um because you all know I like my hoppy beers and, and not necessarily IPAs. I just like hops being the main ingredient. Now, once again, we'll still note um, 
<laughs> Blimp is still producing a head, um, supporting itself. This is not an etched bottom glass either. Uh, none of them are. So that we, we aren't giving it a mechanical advantage. An etched bottom, incidentally, provides you with a nucleation point, so it'll continue um, letting the carbon dioxide out of saturation. This is just the nature of the beer. But let's have a sip and see. Yeah, it's, it's quite a bit hoppier. It's, um, quite a bit, um, quite a bit hoppier. What are we dealing with there? It's interesting doing this blind. I'm almost positive I'm right. Uh, I, uh, <sighs> sorry, this one's catching me. I've never spent this much time thinking about this hop in particular. It's quite a bit more tannic in its approach. And it, um, yeah, like it's, it's quite comfortable. It's not like an IPA or India pale lager or something like that. It's still very much a Pilsner. It's grassy for sure, but there's significantly more perceived bitterness on the cheeks, which I think is what comparing it to these two, I'm looking for flavor descriptors, things like grassy and spicy. But what I'm actually mostly getting is grassiness from the hop and a lot of, of alpha acid perceived its physical bitterness. So remember, your tastes are sweet, salty, sour, bitter, umami. And I've forgotten one. Sweet, sour. Wait, I've already sweet, sour, bitter, salty, umami. That's it, right? I think it's five. Um, this is lighting up the bitter, the physical bitter taste. And then in the aromatics, it's quite grassy and maybe a little earthy. The malts come in after, strangely. Um, and it's nicely sweet Pilsnery malt. It's a little, I always worry about using the word musty because I don't want to give you the wrong idea, but there's a musty quality. And I think it's because some of this is floor malted or maybe all of it. Um, but at least some of it, there's a, a quality to the malt. Again, when I say musty, think of like, um, tent canvas or like sail canvas. It's not like damp there's just a sort of lived in quality. Mm. I don't know if this is making any sense to you. It makes a ton of sense to me. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm so I don't want to say I'm positive, but I'm as close to positive as I can get that the tool or the, the blimp is Godspeed. It's Svetly 12. The GLB and the Tulip. Okay, that was the GLB. I'm not going to say anything. Hang on a sec. And the Tulip. Okay. 
Tulip shows a more equally balanced blend between sweet pilsnery malts, grassy sauce hops. GLB isn't as, I don't want to say imbalanced, but GLB shows less. The GLB glass, as noted, this is not from Great Lakes, um, doesn't show as much immediate hop sweetness. There is some sweetness there, but it tends to show the hops. Um, and, and it does so in a way that's quite nice, actually. I don't want to knock the Godspeed, which I'm assuming is Godspeed. I feel like whatever's in this, this GLB glass maybe actually does a, a, a broader service to the, the hops, which I'm pretty sure it saws across the board. I'm not positive of that with Godspeed, but I assume it is. And I know that it saws with the other two. Um, you get a more complete picture of the saws hops without as much of the physical bitterness. Now, I like the physical bitterness, but if you were interested in the hops, I actually think the, the GLB, uh, whatever's in this glass, uh, would be um, would be the one to, to pursue. And then the tulip. Yeah, the tulip just shows a lot more of the malt characteristics and it does have that, that yeasty note. Okay. So it's, we're already 25 minutes in. Good golly guys. Okay. Blimp glass. That's Godspeed with mm, very close to certainty. The GLB and the Tulip are the ones that get me. Visually, they're... I'm going to go with identical. Yeah, on the nose, they're similar, but the Tulip gives you a little bit more malt and has that yeast note. It's now that I've got it, I, I, it's, it's there. I can, I can pick it out a mile away. On the palate... Yep, GLB glass, bit of a hop show without being super bitter. Tulip glass, yeasty sulfury on the nose. Grassy, sulfury, very malty. Hmm. I don't know what to do with this, actually, guys. So I'm glad I didn't boast that I could definitely pick them all blind. So, okay, I'm going to do it. We're going to go. Get ready. Strap on your stupid. Uh, blimp, that's Godspeed. Love it. Uh, now, interestingly, in the realm of present-day Czech-style Pilsners, it, it is actually a bit of an outlier because it's quite bitter. That isn't to say that there aren't brewers in the Czech Republic making a similar style beer. But when we think of the hallmarks of, of Czech Pilsner, Pilsner Urkel, Czechvar, which is one of these, etc., they're not that hop driven. That's not a bad thing. It's just a thing. Um, and, and to be clear, not only would Bim be the first person, Bim did tell me, don't pick that beer or somebody might not have been Bim. So don't pick that beer, pick this beer. It'll be more similar to the styles that you're looking at, um, which is why I'm pretty confident I can say with some certainty that the blimp is, is the Godspeed. 
delicious and a very interesting interpretation of the style. Not the most classic, um, but a, a very good, a very good beer. The tulip and the GLB glass are where we run into some trouble. So. GLB is super clean, a little bit of the, the Pilsner malt sweetness, and a very interesting look at the hops. The tulip is a little bit more well-rounded. We get some yeast character. We definitely get a lot of the malt character. My suspicion is that the tulip... The Tulip's Chekvar and the GLB Glass's Steam Whistle. That's my suspicion. And this is why. Things like slightly yeasty, sulfury yeast are not necessarily widely embraced in, say, like the Canadian and certainly the Southern Ontario drinking market. And while there's nothing wrong with that in a in a Pilsner, and in fact, as noted, sulfury notes in, in a in a Czech lager are totally acceptable. Um, my tendency is to think that Steam Whistle would not avoid that, but not have as much of that on show. That's a brave decision, if that is in fact, if the Tulip is the Steam Whistle. And, and a fascinating look blind at how things work. I will tell you, both in their own uh, way, the Tulip and the GLB glass are really nice Pilsner beers. Um, it, they're, 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 they're clearly different, but I wouldn't say one is better or worse than the other. For my money, I mean, I go with Godspeed and I don't want to see Godspeed's Shopify and see how much I've actually spent uh, since the pandemic started and they started delivering. Um, it's a lot. Uh, and certainly a lot more than I've spent on Steam Whistle or Chekvar. No offense to either. These are both very tasty beers. It's just this happens to be kind of what I prefer to stick in my mouth. Now, wouldn't it be funny if I had this completely wrong and the blimp was the Steam Whistle and the tulip was the Godspeed and the GLB was the Chekvar? Who knows? But I'm, I'm sticking with my guns. The tulip is the Chekvar. Again, mostly based on that sulfury yeasty note, a very tasty beer and an interesting look at the three major, well, four actually, because I didn't even talk about this. The mouthfeel on the first two, especially, and especially the tulip is very, um, it's soft. It's not quite velvety, but there's a real nice, gentle weight to this beer. Which again, I think harkens to that water source. The GLB similar, but not quite the same weight. And I happen to know for a fact Steam Whistle uses Ontario water. I don't actually now I don't know. They've got to alter it slightly. They're 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 doing something to it. Um, that this is not none of these beers. Interestingly, actually, the Godspeed. I don't think any of these beers are made with Toronto City water. They, they're, they're making some uh, chemical additions to them. And by chemical, don't get freaked out. I'm talking about, like, mineral salts and stuff like that. Totally natural things. Just trying to replicate a different water source. Um, 
but they both have a really nice, all three, in fact, have a, a nice, delicate weight to them is all I can describe it. I've not quite, not, not quite velvety, but quite nice. Anyway, I think it's time to uh, do the big unveil. Let me just run through them one more time, left to right. Tulip. Yep, as described. Shows all three nicely, good weight. GLB. Easy drinking, as people like to say. I'm capable of swallowing it. No, but nice weight to it. Good good carbonation. Little less of the malt uh, on the, the front of the palate, but more interest in the hops, for sure. And then, of course, the blimp. Which, as discussed, I think I do drink all the time. I got the note right here. Unseen by human eyes since written on by, I think, my wife, but maybe my son. No, that's my son. Blimp! Hold this up for the camera. You might not... There we go. Now you can see it. Blimp! It says SL 12 degrees. That's... Svetly. I was correct about that. GLB! Chekvar! Tulip steam whistle. So I had those two backwards. That is fascinating and not what I was expecting. I would say that the steam whistle is a... We're going to use weird language on this. It's the braver interpretation. Um, they went for all three, right? Uh, some yeast characteristic, which again... Lagers, we don't tend to think about how the yeast impacts the beer. But that definitely has a bit of a proofing bread dough yeast quality to it. And it's delightful. Uh, plenty of nice sweet malts at the front of the, the palate. And then a nicely grassy Saz hops. It's fantastic. Um, the Chekvar, flipping the way that I think about it, um, just showcases a lot of hop. Uh, and again, shows nice sweet malts and, and, and good water chemistry. But the main focus on this is actually, I say the main focus, the no, notable thing is, is the hop presence because the hops are, are very interesting. And again, well used. You really can unpack a lot of the taste. Now, they did say it was whole cone saws. That might have something to do with it. I'm uh, I'm fairly certain steam whistles using pelletized hops. People get into they get their knickers in a knot to use the word uh, about whole cone versus pelletized. Um, depending on the scale of the usage and what hops are being used, um, there's pretty clear evidence that whole cone can make a difference. It's not a huge difference. It's a little bit like when I was saying how the three different glasses. You know, if I served one beer out of all three, they, it might taste slightly different out of each three. Whole cone versus pelletized, there can be a bit of a difference in the final application. And I wonder if that's what's showing, is we just get a little bit more character out of the hop on uh, on the Chekvar. And of course, this is Godspeed. As noted at the start of the podcast, when I looked at that, I knew that this was Godspeed. When I saw the way that the head was getting supported by carbonation and gray body, this was Godspeed. And uh, 
The only thing that made me not say this is definitely Godspeed when I put it in my mouth was I would never like to be accused of hubris. So that's my steam whistle challenge. Now you're supposed to pick your favorite. I have. Um, Godspeed's my favorite. Not because it's the most representative Czech style Pilsner. Arguably, I would say that uh, um, Pilsner or Kel is typified as the benchmark uh, Czech style Pilsner. I very intentionally didn't choose Pilsner or Kel. It's actually slightly different in presentation than all three of these. Of course, Godspeed. Oh. Must be Monday night. It's garbage night. Um, Godspeed, of course, does make uh, the Slepnik or whatever old style, which is based on the Pilsner or Kel style recipe. And, and of course, we've, we did the indie. Um, there's another one out there that's also an old style Pilsner. Um, not that old style Pilsner, guys. That one doesn't taste like Pilsner or Kel. Um, but... That, that's almost more just to point out that there are a host of ways to interpret this style, which, I mean, admittedly, within a fairly narrow range, I'm holding up the, the Godspeed and the check var for the cameras, they do look slightly different. Now, the, the, if I do that... No, actually, okay. Because of the haze, the Godspeed looks slightly darker. And by haze, I mean just a... It's just not brilliantly clear. Um... But these are these these beers are within a very tight range of acceptable standards. But within that range, you can have fluctuations. And as noted, the steam whistle really does an interesting job showing arguably all four of its uh, of its ingredients. And interestingly, actually, let me take a sip of it because I want to revisit this. I was trying to dance around the, the GLB glass a little bit. Because its mouthfeel didn't have that same softness that I was expecting. And I was a little bit worried that it was the steam whistle. And I didn't want that to be the thing that I was like, oh, yeah, they're just using Toronto water. Um, it doesn't have that weight to it, that nice density and softness that you do get, uh, certainly from Pilsner or Kellen. And if you're lucky enough, and, and I am, uh, to have tried the unfiltered Pilsner Arkel, even a little bit more so. That doesn't change the water chemistry, it just changes the hop and the yeast profile. Um, but the Czechvar, actually, that, that makes me think maybe it isn't from Pilsen, maybe their water source is somewhere else, because this, the body on the steam whistle has exactly that weight that I'm looking for. And yeah, that range of character. I think I've said this on the podcast before. We're coming up on 40 minutes. This one's turning into a long one. That's what happens when I have three beers that I have to consider. Pilsner beer became the leading style of beer in the world. And this is this is inarguable, okay? Um, Czechvar, this can, Czechvar, it's only called Czechvar in North America. Everywhere else it's called Budvar. But that's too close to Budweiser because Budweiser took that name and carved out a huge section of the market in North America and then defended it with the kind of lawyers you can afford when you've carved out that sort of a market. Um, pardon me, sorry. I just had like six really significant burps in a row. 
and I've kind of half forgotten where I was going with that rant. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, the, this style of beer is the dominant style in the world. And the reason why it became the dominant style was it was a weird confluence of events. And it came from Pilsen and it, it came from Pilsner or Kel, funny enough. Oh, hey, Mare's here. Oh, she's having the slep, slep neck right now. That's the Pilsner or Kel knockoff. Knockoff makes it sound like it's the lesser. It's a little bit better. Anyway, um, the cool thing about Pilsner, the confluence of events. Um, there's this story that's a little apocryphal, but also definitely at least a little bit true, which was that there was a brewery started in Pilsen. And I think the story is that it was a public brewery. It was owned by the government. Sorry, I need a beer if we're going to tell this story. I'm going to have some of the steam whistle. It's quite nice. Mm -mm -mm. And uh, they made a beer. And the people of Pilsen, well, they hated it. Uh, so much so that apparently they dumped it out, like drained the fermenters and said, this is not going to stand. This cannot be what our brewery does. So um, they did like some sort of a fact finding mission. Now, a couple of things were happening at that time in brewing history. And they happened on all of them. The first thing was malted barley. Whoa, we're going to get into some science here. Keep with me because I'm not going to go over this twice. Barley is a grass seed, technically, like wheat, like oats, etc. Um, and uh, it, it, it contains um, quite a bit of complex carbohydrates in the form of starches. Uh, the beautiful thing is when the grain has reached full maturity and it drops from uh, the, the, the stem, it begins a, a process of sprouting. Um, uh, and when that happens, all of those complex carbohydrates in the seed uh, through a um, an enzymatic reaction, is the word I couldn't come up with there, enzymatic, um, those, sh those starches start converting to sugars. And the, the, the grain sends out what's known as an endosperm. This is the very earliest beginnings of the plant. Um, in brewing, we harvest uh, the, the barley when it's at full maturity. Uh, and then we malt it. Now, malting is the process of allowing those starches to become the sugar maltose, which is done through enzymatic activity. And then it has to be dried. Uh, if you don't, it will actually sprout and you'll have uh, uh, barley sprouts, which are not helpful uh, for making beer. Very helpful if you want to make hippie bread, uh, especially if you want to attach some Bible verses to it. Uh, Shout out to all the uh, Ezekiel 24 or whatever bread folks out there. Uh, but for the sake of making beer, we need to stop that process when the endosperm is just cracking through the shell and we've gotten as much conversion into maltose as we can. Don't worry, we're going to recreate that process in the brewing and we're hopefully going to convert all of that starch into maltose, but we have to let it start. But then you have to dry it. Well, how do you dry it? Historically, they'd done it uh, predominantly in a variety of ways. But at this point in uh, history, this is the mid to late 1800s. Uh, it would be dried in these tumbling uh, barrel style kilns with open fire. And the malt would all have a very pronounced smoky quality to it and would also often be colored by the heat 
of the kiln. This is fine. If you're making like a Doppelbach or a German Dunkel, um, that's exactly what you want. It historically is perfect. But in Britain, they'd started playing with other ways to malt grain. And one of the ways, the way that is now international, although we've improved upon it, allows you to simply dry the grain without imparting any color and any smoke to it. And what you end up with is Pilsner malt or two row barley, clear golden extracts um, from the malt. So that was thing number one. Thing number two was as noted, Pilsen had this weird water. Uh, naturally, the aquifer filtered through sandstone and it became softened. Um, when we think about some of the classic British beer styles, uh, London, Burton-upon-Trent, these were water sources that were very hard. They were very rich in minerals. Pilsen's water, most of those minerals were captured by the, the natural sandstone. And what you were left with was quite soft water, like rainwater, basically. Um, so there wasn't a lot of mineral influence in the beer. Uh, also, uh, uh, in the area, they had uh, wide access to Saz hops um, and other similar styles. Hops that don't have a ton of alpha acids, but have a lot of interesting, grassy, somewhat floral, sometimes spicy uh, aromas to them. And then the most important, and the thing that you can see here, but also in a way you kind of can't see, was the prevalence of uh, mass-produced clear glass. If you couldn't see through this tulip glass that I'm holding up to my cameras or you're hearing about on the podcast, you would have no idea if the beer was sludgy and brown or brilliantly clear and golden. But with the introduction of mass-produced clear glass, suddenly the appearance of the beer started to matter. And that's why Pilsner stuck. It made use of that interesting pale malt from Britain, which didn't have any smoke or any um, char characteristics. Made use of the beautiful local Saz hops. And it made use of people being able to drink it out of a vessel that they could see it. And they could see that it was clear, brilliantly gold lager. Um, also lager yeast. Did we talk about that? That was another thing. Had to be cold aged. Uh, which incidentally in Pilsen, the same sandstone aquifer created caves uh, under the city, which were perfect for lagering beer. Interestingly enough, the Godspeed one, which is my baby, which as noted is slightly hazier, it's because it isn't filtered. Now, I know for a fact, steam whistle uses uh, diatomaceous earth, which is to say it's it's ocean sand um, to filter their beer. No problem there. Happy with a filtered uh, lager like that. Brilliantly clear. I assume Chekvar is using uh, the same or similar. And uh, Godspeed, I think, isn't filtering their beer. Or if they are, they're filtering it minimally. I suspect this is racked off of um, the the... The, the, the fermenter, um, which is why it's a little hazier. This actually is probably historically more what the original Pilsners would have looked like, but compared to the sludgy brown beers that other people were drinking, this was basically this, bright golden clear. 
Sorry, if you're listening on the podcast, I showed the Godspeed and then I showed the steam muscle. Anyway, this is why Pilsner beer has become the dominant style in the world. And and most of the beers that we think of in terms of the biggest beers in the world, as noted, Stella Artois, uh, Pilsner beer. Uh, Molson Canadian is technically a Pilsner beer. Budweiser, as we discussed, is literally a dead ripoff of this Czechfar um, beer. So Pilsner beer is is far and away the 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 most dominant style it became that um less than 200 years ago again because of this confluence of uh of influences it with perfect timing uh to create what is now uh, pilsner or cal um obviously it's not exactly the same as back then um but that's the beer that became the leading beer in the world. And all of these beers owe a, uh, a debt of gratitude to the people of Pilsen who possibly apocryphally, but probably maybe did uh, dump out a batch of beer and say, sorry, kid, you could do better. Now go do better. I need a drink of beer. I'm going to have a steam whistle. Mmm. You know, I was just boasting about how much Godspeed I drank. I'm going to top this steam muscle up because there's a little left in the can. I was boasting about how much Godspeed I drank. And, and Lord and Bim knows. Lord Bim knows. I drink plenty. Um, but when it comes to Pilsners in my life, I'm approaching 41, kids. Uh not a young man anymore. My body reminds me of that every morning when I get out of bed. Uh, in terms of Pilsner beers, I'm willing to bet in the grand scale of volume, Steam Whistle probably is still head and shoulders and possibly torso and maybe sexual organs above any other beer. Um, I drink this a lot and I enjoy it every time. One of the nice things about Steam Whistle, in addition to the fact that it's quite a good beer, as we just deconstructed here. Uh, Steam Whistle, obviously, if you're in Toronto, wide distribution. Bars, it's almost rare now that you go into a bar that you can't get a Steam Whistle at. Which is quite nice, because as noted, um, quality beer, interesting. You could spend some time thinking about it. Um, Well-made. Um, yeah, a, a fantastic example of the style. Also, very important, Steam Whistle cleans all their own lines. They have their own teams that do it. So you always know uh, you're drinking out of a, a, a relatively clean line. And they're really good at uh, working with their licensees. They say, hey, look, you ordered your last 50-liter keg four weeks ago. That's kind of old. Could we shift you to 30s and see if we can turn them over a little bit more quickly? They want their beer to be fresh. They want it to be good quality. Um, so... I would say to you, if you find yourself at a bar and you are a real beer geek, uh, you know, you like your boys hazy, um, but there's nothing that's uh, piquing your interest, never hesitate to reach for a pint of steam whistle. Uh, I mean, if you really don't like Pilsners, then hesitate. But otherwise, if you're an open-minded, sane person, um, this is a fantastic beer. We're actually quite fortunate that there's such a nice beer made on such a big scale in our city um, because there's a lot of really crappy beers on tap in our city. Um, so it's nice to have one that you just know it's delicious and it's safe and you can just reach for it. That's 
That's Steam Whistle every time. And I haven't even gotten into all my wonderful stories of early days Steam Whistle brewery visits, of which I have many. Mm. And of which I won't bore you with now. It is late, kids. It's after 10. Good golly. We've been trying to watch a northern exposure together in this house for a while. Hasn't worked. Keep running up against other things, up to and including a technological problem last night, which meant that we watched Terror on uh, Prime, which, if you aren't watching it, can I say, if you like, not historically accurate, but let's go with historical dramas, with a real twist of horror built in, um... If you're looking for like a slasher horror, we're not we're not talking about that, but a bit of a psychological horror terror. It's it's something it's a it's a, a dramatic interpretation of what might have happened on board the terror and the Erebus. As they were seeking and then stuck in the uh, Northwest Passage. <sighs> I was going to tell you what happened last night. I don't I don't want spoilers, but oh, my gosh. There's a polar bear and it's not taking prisoners. Let's say that. So uh, fantastic show. Uh, and also, as noted, I'm trying to watch some Northern Exposure. My iTunes is open now. I think we're going to be able to get there tonight. Do love Northern Exposure. Have you checked that out? It's an old show from the 90s. Real nice. Anyway, um, I have uh, roughly a pint and a half of beer yet to finish. And uh, I got to go do it so uh jump back here next week uh this time this place think i'm gonna try and set up an interview don't know exactly who yet i got a couple of people in mind two of them live in london the second best london not the best london i do know people who live there too but i'm not reaching out to them for interviews uh i have two people in the second best london maybe one of them will bite and if not we'll see what we see maybe i'll just drink some beer who knows but uh, banging out another app. And I'm looking at it. Today is August the 16th. Next week will be plus seven or the 23rd. Oh, that actually might be a good uh, marker. This is uh, season six. We hit 20 apps in season six. What do you think, guys? We go done and dusted for six. And then I think I might take a week off because I'm pretty sure I have holiday the following week. And one of the things I love to do on holiday is get up early and go fishing. And that's not conducive to recording a podcast. You know, when when you've already announced that it's after 10 and you're still talking, you know, like that. We're coming up on a, an hour right now. Uh, not conducive to fishing. So uh, let's do that. Let's say next Monday grand finale of season six don't worry friends i will be back for season seven and who knows what season seven has in store for us i don't because i literally just thought of it right now so i've got to think some more but uh, i would love it if you would join me back here next monday 9 p.m maybe with a guest maybe just with some beers and uh and then to continue joining me because i i do enjoy this uh and part of enjoying it is knowing that other people enjoy it too I would still enjoy it. I would just enjoy it slightly less. Anyway, uh, that's it, kids. Have yourselves a real nice night. Uh, as always, hey, we haven't done a good uh, COVID PSA in a while, but Delta, you know, watch out. If you haven't got your jabs, don't know what you're waiting for. Uh, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And uh, jump back here. Seven days time. I'll be here.
We'll be hanging out. Let's do it. Bye.